are back. Welcome to another episode of ESPN's Formula One podcast. Alex is here still with Nate and Lawrence. Had a bit of a break, but now we're looking forward to some action this weekend in Germany, the Eiffel Grand Prix. And we're going to give you all our expectations that we are hoping to see on the track, hoping for some more fireworks as per usual. We will also be taking your pit stop predictions and Nate's bald predictions later on in the show. We're going to get into our little news story, but like I said, a little weekend off i suppose we could say we were still grafting though don't think that we were on vacation also because it's a pandemic so we can't really go on vacation but guys how's it been what you been up to nate you've been, been climbing any busy, any, any mountains i know i was about to say lawrence lawrence and i at least had to knock out a new story or two but nate i don't know if you've been climbing any mountains recently no, no I, I left that i left that to the weekend before sochi um no i haven't been doing much i've managed to escape back home to colchester uh, for a few days and then it's back to London where obviously Lawrence and I are covering these races remotely still so um, we'll be in sunny Hammersmith well I hope sunny Hammersmith covering a race in what won't be so sunny Nürburgring it looks like this weekend but um, yeah it's been it's been nice Lawrence picked up the news the other day which I know we're going to talk about on Honda so it's been a bit busier for him it definitely has been it's actually quite sunny here now in London like I've actually had to draw my blinds which I never thought I would ever have to do in London or in England for that matter but here we go let's I mean since Nate kind of teased it right there let's jump into the the news story I suppose which has been a huge talking point Lawrence I know you and I had to assemble and do a little quick video hit um earlier on when the news broke on the day the news broke and that is that as of after 2021 Honda will no longer be a part of Formula One and I know that that for again, if anyone's watched Drive to Survive, we were wondering exactly what this does mean if Renault are going to get a nice little call from Red Bull again and if we're going to revisit that kind of semi-toxic but entertaining relationship, Lawrence. So, but any more details that's come from that? So news came through on uh, Friday, last Friday, that Honda would leave Formula 1 at the end of 2021. Um, pretty unexpected. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting an announcement that day before we started to get some... Uh, rumours going around that, that very morning. But we knew that Honda was only contracted to the end of 2021, so they're literally seeing out their contract and they're moving on. But it opens up all sorts of questions for Formula 1, not just who does Red Bull end up with uh, powering their cars from 2022 onwards, but also the relevance of Formula 1 to road car manufacturers. Honda made very clear that one of the main reasons they're leaving is that they're pushing towards electrification of their cars, so electric road cars, fully EV uh, road cars, and um, away from hybrid technology. Hybrid technology still has a place, but you've got governments that are going to uh, rule it out from kind of 2030, 2035 onwards. There's a progression of phasing out all petrol engines, and you have to ask, well, Formula One, where does it stand in that? And uh, it looks like the way that Formula One's going, which is uh, with its technology, which is admirable in many ways, uh, perhaps isn't in line with what governments expect from uh, road car manufacturers. And that split uh, could see uh, some more divisions coming up. And I've seen this many times before, uh, certain periods of time when manufacturers leave the sport. And uh, actually, the last time it happened, around 2009, Honda was the first one to go. Then we lost BMW, Renault um, and uh, Toyota as well. So uh, it could be the start of uh, some difficult times for Formula 1. 
Nate, how did you, um, I suppose, take that news? I know I didn't get to catch up with you on that one, but I, I know after my chat with Lawrence, um, he did bring up the point that he just brought up now that you start to wonder, just not of the future of the teams, obviously, that were supplied by, had the engine supplied by, by Honda, but just the future of the sport on a whole, especially now that there are so many steps being taken to make sure everything is more environmentally friendly. And Lord knows, I mean, if we don't even have a world, we can't have Formula One, but still... Um, did this make you wonder if the, you know, the future of F1, how we know and love it, is in jeopardy? Yeah, it's, it's never good news. And it was quite telling that right after the news was announced, we had Formula One convey you know, a statement themselves. They were saying, look, we're still committed to sustainability. They want to go net carbon zero by 2030. But we've heard earlier this year already, with the engine regulations not really changing until 2026, Ross Braun has already said, look, there's not going to be new teams, jo- uh, sorry, there's not going to be new manufacturers joining before then so you're in this situation where there's potentially just three engine manufacturers all the way through for most of this decade and i think as we've seen this year it's it's been very difficult for other teams to catch up with mercedes now again that's not the fault of mercedes but they're clearly these rules are expensive and a lot of manufacturers question you know the viability of them in terms of you know sustainability long term etc and Honda is a great case study of a team that uh, a manufacturer that pumped a lot of money into Formula One and really wasn't able to get anywhere close to Mercedes. So if you take them away, you know, you have even fewer manufacturers there. You know, there's even Mercedes is already supplying McLaren next year. Does McLaren, does uh, Red Bull become a Mercedes customer? Does it become a Renault one? Does it become a Ferrari one? Whatever the situation is, you have a team that has some of the best resources on the grid having to compete against those teams with one of their own engines. And that's never good for, for competitiveness. So from a competitive standpoint, it's not great. And as Lawrence said, it doesn't really, it's not a ringing endorsement of F1's long-term plan going forward. Um, so a bit of a blow, but by the same token, we've seen Mercedes kind of c- commit themselves more longer term to Formula One, close to ties with AMG. So two different, two very different stories going on. Um, but I think that, that is the fairest question to ask is, is where does F1 go from here? Because whenever anyone leaves, it's never a good sign. And um, it's a real shame that Honda's leaving because there's been a bit of encouragement, excitement about maybe that that project is finally maybe starting to turn a corner. But obviously for them, there's much bigger things at stake than just winning Formula One championships. I suppose that is a big question too. Um, now, just overall in terms of not just narrow it down, say to the say like Red Bull or Alpha Tari, but Lawrence, I suppose, since you guys can't be in the paddock and be around, you know, your usual colleagues, but how, how, have, how has the F1 world from what you guys have just been interacting or from with the people that you've been interacting with, how have they kind of taken this news? Is there actual concern as Nate just says, is, are they all asking the same question? Where does F1 go from here? Um, I don't think there's immediate concern uh, among a lot of people. It's just a longer term thing. It's just, where's F1 going to go next with with its power units? And there's really two schools of thought. Um, There's the current one, which is to continue with some kind of hybrid power unit, but move towards synthetic fuels. So get away from oil that's dug out the ground and find ways to uh, create a fuel uh, going forward. And that's in F1's plan uh, going ahead. But it all depends on what governments are telling road car manufacturers what they have to do. If they are you know, banning the sale of cars and moving, pushing towards electrification, uh, banning the sale of petrol cars, moving towards electrification, then the road car manufacturers have to follow that and they have to invest in that. And with the Honda situation, it was really a case, while I'm sure they won't have, uh, they would have looked at the money they will save and that would have been an incentive. At the same time, um, you know, they needed to free free up R&D resources in that base in Sakura, which is a big R&D facility 
to focus on electrification and the hybrid idea that Formula One is pursuing and at the time in 2014 seemed like the way forward uh, is probably going to um, be cut short by governments around the world as a way of kind of pushing the, the motor industry forward. So it's a, it's just a wider philosophical debate and F1 has time to kind of figure out which way it needs to go. And the other side of the argument is that maybe you just go to pure entertainment. You admit that it's no longer going to be relevant to road cars and you go back to something like a streaming V8 uh, or, you know, the kind of some engine that really kind of captures the imagination of, of people and, and exists and the sport exists purely as a form of entertainment and sport rather than this kind of bed of technology for, for, for manufacturers. But it's a tough choice for F1. But those are the kind of decisions that need to be made coming up. And uh, we'll see what uh, the engine manufacturers want, who will commit. There was a time when these engine regulations first came about that the likes of Audi were, were very keen on coming in and they kind of helped develop the way that it was going. But then they suffered their own problem with uh, the scandal around the diesel engines and they decided they weren't going to get involved in Formula 1. So you're, as a, as a sport, that it, it, it's so fragile in a way and there's, there's so many uh, outside influences that can, that can change its approach and where it needs to go. But right now, uh, it's very clear that uh, some big questions need to be asked and some big decisions need to be made because uh, F1 can't afford to be in this position by 2026 when it has this new set of uh, engine regulations coming in. And then now for Red Bull, I suppose, what does this mean for them, Nate? What are you foreseeing for them? Because, again, we've seen the issues that they've had um, in the past with engines, and we felt like the Honda match was a nice match made in heaven. We've seen the leaps that they've taken at least to to be on the tails of Mercedes and whatnot. Um, I suppose Ferrari kind of shot themselves in the foot this season for that, though. So what does this mean for them? Is it just back to the drawing board? And I know Lawrence and I kind of teased um, this in our chat, too, but where do they turn to now? Yeah, Renault seems like the most logical solution, just given the history with Red Bull and Renault. I know that we've seen Cyril Beatbull and Christian Horner at loggerheads on TV, but I think that that would make sense for them. You know, they've worked together previously. Um, Mercedes did consider Red Bull at one point, you know, supplying them, and there was a big talk about whether that would happen. It obviously would have been a perfect solution for Formula One from a competitive standpoint, because you would have put a team that can, can produce a championship-winning car with the best engine to compete against Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. Eventually, that went to board level and, and was voted against. But, you know, Mercedes is supplying McLaren going forward. So I don't think that you should just consider that that's off the table. And we'll see what happens in a couple of seasons' time. Um, but it, this is the other thing. It puts those manufacturers into a super strong position. And Red Bull basically now have just got their, their begging cap out again and saying, like, we need an engine. And I don't think that's ever a good situation to be in for a team. So I would, if I was betting now, I'd put my money on them going back to Renault. But... Um, yeah, Mercedes would be a great solution as well. Um, and then imagine that you'd have three teams potentially at the front of the grid fighting with Mercedes engines, which again, as good as that seems from a competitive standpoint, isn't great for the future of F1 because why would other manufacturers stick around if, if they can't beat the Mercedes? So not a great situation to be in really. Not a great situation indeed. We'll definitely continue tracking uh, this story. Just quickly moving on to some more of our news stories. We did touch on this a little bit as well. Some um, F2 drivers that were expecting to hit the track on Friday practice. And no name bigger than Mick Schumacher, of course. We know the, the heartstrings that does tug on the heartstrings, of course, with the name. Um, but you guys excited for that? Yeah, it's going to be great to see. And it's, it's, it's a real shame we won't be there because that would have been a nice story to follow. And there's some nice symmetry there as well. You know, Mick Schumacher getting his F1 debut and then later in the weekend, Lewis hoping to 
match Michael Schumacher's record. So it's nice that there's kind of a Schumacher link at the beginning of the weekend. Schumacher at Nürburgring, I think it's yeah, I think it's a great thing. And 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 it seems to be the prelude to him getting a, a shot with Alpha Romeo next year full time, which you would expect would happen if he wins the championship. So yeah, it makes Fridays interesting. I'm you know, I'm not always the biggest Friday fan, but it's it's a good reason to tune into FP one. Well, like Nate just said, Lewis Hamilton chasing history yet again this weekend in Germany. So that just brings us right into what we can expect from this weekend at the Eiffel Grand Prix. But before that, Lawrence, you've been working on something quite exciting that we can expect to see on ESPN.com, right? So when we found out that we were going back to the Nürburgring, or Formula 1 was going back to the Nürburgring, um, I was looking at ways to kind of celebrate that fact. Because uh, although you may just remember the track that we last raced it in 2013, which is a relatively normal Grand Prix circuit. Um, there's the big brother next door, which is the Nordschleife, which is the old uh, circuit, which has seen some heroic acts, both pre-war and um, post-war and uh, during the early years of Formula One. Uh, and of course, when Nicky Lauda had that famous fiery accident in 1976. Um, but I was looking at some of the stories to tell around it, and one I found was uh, to do with Toto Wolff. Now, of course, we all know Toto Wolff as the Mercedes team principal, but it turns out he was also a very keen racing driver in his youth and he had two stages to his career. There was a stage when he had no money at all and he was trying to make it as a single-seater driver in Formula Ford. Uh, and then there was a second half where he'd made his money in finance and he came back and uh, competed as an amateur, essentially, in a bunch of GT racing and stuff like that. And part of that, uh, part of that second part of his career, he, he wanted to try and set a record for GT cars at the Nordschleife. And now... Um, just lapping a circuit, you might think, well, you know, where, where's the fun in that? But this is a 14-mile track, undulating, zero runoff, uh, incredibly dangerous. Lots of people still lose their lives uh, going around it as, uh, as tourists as well as uh, occasionally in racing as well. And so uh, Toto decided that this was uh, a place where uh, he had this kind of strange connection with it because it's where he'd first seen uh, racing there in his youth as well. And he decided this is where he wanted to go uh, and, and set a record. So... He attempted that, he got the record, uh, but he also had a very big accident. So um, I managed to talk to him over the Russian Grand Prix weekend about everything that led up to it, the accident itself, and uh, some of the nasty side effects of concussion that he had afterwards. So I won't spoil it too much here, but worth reading, uh, just as a story to get a bit of kind of Toto Wolf background, gives you a bit of an understanding of why he is the man he is today and why he's actually very well respected, not just among the team principals, in Formula One and uh, and the team bosses, but also among the drivers, because he's got uh, some really good kind of stories to tell from behind the uh, wheel of a racing car. So that's one of them, and that will be up uh, going into this weekend for the German Grand Prix up on the website. Oh well, if that doesn't get you excited for this weekend, I don't even know what does. Nate is over there smiling, and he seems quite excited. And Nate, we've established that you don't like Sochi, but when we knew we were going back to the Nurburgring, you did get excited for this one, weren't you? What did you like so much about this? Yeah, I mean, it's a great venue. And, um, it, you know, it is a shame that obviously we can't race out the Nordschleife for a lot of different reasons. But I think that the, the Nürburgring F1 circuit is actually is, is pretty good as well. Like the racing was always pretty good there. So, yeah, just a, just a nice place to have back. And at the start of the season, if you'd said we're going to have the Nürburgring back, it would have been it would have been a nice surprise even before everything happened with with um, COVID-19. So, yeah, super racetrack. And again, it's a bit like when we have Mugello. There's an unknown element to this race. Uh, the weather doesn't look great either. So, so many variables that whenever we see these entered into F1 races seem to produce good, um, uh, good events. So I'm hoping, touch wood, that that's the same again this weekend. 
Well, if we get into our quick little preview now, I suppose we always can break it down into a little what to watch for. I suppose the, you know, overarching headline is Lewis Hamilton chasing Michael Schumacher's record yet again. He was unable to do it at Sochi. Um, I'm sure again, once we go into this, not many would doubt that he could still do it here. And, and I suppose, as Nate said, it does fit that kind of Schumacher theme for the weekend anyway, which brings out about a little nostalgia. But Lawrence, let's start with you then. What What's your top headline, I suppose, going into this weekend? It's probably the weather, what it's going to do, because um, yeah, mid-October in that part of Germany is usually pretty cold. And these cars, well, we often see them testing cold conditions at the start of the year and the drivers complain about the tyres. They're really designed to work in kind of, you know, high 20s, uh, 30 degree heat. So when you take them to somewhere like the Nürburgring, where we could have temperatures in single figures, and we could also have a lot of rain. Uh, it's going to make for some interesting challenges for the teams trying to get the tyres to work. And I think uh, as a result, we could have quite an unpredictable race. I mean, we already know that when it rains at any racetrack, it, it gets a bit sketchy out there. So uh, that's a possibility that, that, that could uh, mix it up. And one famous race there that was affected by the weather was 2007, where it absolutely tipped it down. Loads of drivers went off at the first corner. And Marcus Winkelhock in a Spiker and Spiker were, well, they were actually the uh, Racing Point team. That's what it evolved into. But at the time, they were the team always at the back of the grid. And so to see uh, that car lead, I think it was only for about half a lap or so. But to see a car like that lead uh, was remarkable and a real sign that, you know, when we get rain at uh, F1 races, everything can change. And it's all about being on the right tyre at the right time, which Winkelhock was. So um, I think while the, while the track maybe. F1 cars might have slightly outgrown it in terms of good racing in the dry. I think the, the addition of a bit of rain um, will see some pretty exciting events unfold. So, uh, I mean, that's going to be what a lot of people are talking about alongside all the news stories, the Honda stuff and so on. But on track, that's what a lot of people will be talking about over the weekend. Nathan, you're what to watch for. What are you watching for? Yeah, I think more of the same, really. We've, we've seen a lot of entertaining races here. Um, the... The Nürburgring moment that sticks in my head is um, 2005, so two years before the race that Lawrence mentioned. And Kimi Raikkonen was, well, I wouldn't say cruising to the finish line, but he was basically trying to manage his car to the finish line. Uh, and then famously at the start of the final lap, his, his tyre burst and he spun off, very nearly hit Jensen Button and was out of the race. And that handed the win to Fernando Alonso. And that was kind of a story of that season was McLaren constantly kind of losing ground and Alonso went on to win his first championship. So Great dramatic moment there. Um, and while we're talking about Lewis, one of his best wins at McLaren was at the Nürburgring in 2011. Um, you know, it wasn't the most competitive season for McLaren, but if anyone wants to remember what Lewis was like, you know, back in the days when he didn't have the car that everyone else wanted to beat, 2011 in Nürburgring is a great example of that. I think he dropped back at the start and had to basically fight back through a couple of cars. Um, and yeah, just as I said, um, as I said earlier, it's just a circuit that seem to always produce some pretty entertaining moments. So hopefully, even without the rain, we might get that. But with the rain as well added in, I think we've got a, a recipe for a really good race. But again, we're going to be comparing it to Sochi. I don't want to, I don't want to you know, <laughs> knock Sochi again, but I might as well because that's my thing, right? You know, it's going it's to be better. It's going to be better than that, surely. When you say better, <laughs> do we mean like Monza better or? <laughs> I just mean, I just, I just hope better than Sochi. That, I'll take that and then we'll see how, how much better. It sounds like just... Anywhere outside of such is automatically better for you already on that scale. Yeah, you know I don't think <laughs> I don't, it's I, not that hard. I don't, I don't think the Sochi tourist board's ever going to be hiring me for a, as a spokesperson. 
Well, as you and Juan Manuel Correa, who was on our podcast as well, where we were doing Sochi, I feel bad because now I feel like we brought him on the wrong podcast for both of you guys just to slag it off. But uh, I don't think you guys, as you both said, you're not you're not going to be too upset if you never have to go back there. So I don't think the tourist board really should worry about you for that one there. But I mean, just talking on the weather, and I suppose this kind of leans into maybe our predictions that we will get to in just a bit. Um... Should I say, when you guys say rain, I think what Lawrence called Lewis a couple of weeks ago, which was wet weather God, is this just going to be another what should be a predictable win for Lewis? Well, it, it, I mean, on the face of it, it is. But then you could say that about every circuit Formula One's been to this year because the Mercedes is that far ahead. The thing about rain is, that, of course, it can mix up the race like that. But also the best car with the most downforce tends to perform best in, in the rain. And then it helps if you've got a driver like Lewis behind the wheels. So um, I, it's hard to predict anybody else but Lewis winning, but you never know. Things didn't go his way in Sochi. And sometimes these things can start to spiral away and kind of get away from a driver a bit. So if he gets another, say, bad qualifying session under, uh, under his belt and Valtteri gets the upper hand uh, or Max finds himself near the front, then uh, things could start to change. If it remains dry as well, I seem to remember that Nürburgring uh, is fairly hard on the tyres. Uh, I was watching some replays of the 2013 race and it was between the two-stop and the three-stop. Now, the tyres were quite different back then and that kind of stuff was more common, but it was still uh, yeah, a, a race that was dominated by how drivers manage their tyres. So perhaps if that comes into play and Mercedes don't quite get it right, maybe if they struggle a bit in the lower temperatures, Red Bull could get in there. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like clutching at straws a bit because otherwise, in normal circumstances... Like I said, like pretty much everywhere else we go, uh, Lewis is is the favourite to win. Nate, you clutching at straws too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know Max is good in the rain as well, but yeah, you know, rain, unless something, I mean, it needs something to happen to stop Lewis from being the favourite, I guess. Uh, so yeah, maybe Max. And then again, the rain maybe brings the field closer together, but Lewis is so good in the rain as well that it doesn't really open things up. But it, what will be interesting is, again, with with rain or with, with things thrown into the mix is, is, is there a spot on the podium open anyway, regardless of what Lewis is doing? Do we get another surprise podium or do we get a midfield team like Renault or McLaren, whatever, fighting amongst themselves for third position? So there's a lot to be excited about if it does rain. Um, it's, just, it's just wrong to, <laughs> to assume that it's going to affect Lewis out in front. I think it could affect a lot of things. Well, with that said, I almost feel very tempted now to just start to ask you guys what your prediction is, which we will get to. And hopefully there are some bold predictions or we'll get your regular predictions and then some bold predictions in Nate's bald predictions. But now let's cruise on into our pit stop and see exactly what everyone else across our social platforms have been predicting or saying as we look forward to this Eiffel Grand Prix coming up this weekend. The Brother Hunt says... Will the very likely cold temperatures at the Nürburgring give Mercedes an advantage, both engine temperature and tire-wise? Well, you guys kind of slightly touched on that just now. Yeah, it's a good point, though, because one of Mercedes' weaknesses has been overheating. And, of course, that won't happen if the temperatures are that cool. And uh, one of their strengths has been managing, the, especially the uh, front tire temperature, with the use of the DAS system, which we talked so much about at the start of the year. It hasn't really got much focus in in recent races but it is still on the car it is still helping it will help them uh, generate some front tire temperature if they need to get it so yeah as uh as the contributor said i've forgotten their their handle but as they say it is a track that or conditions in many ways that 
uh, could end up suiting Mercedes even more if we get the cold temperatures and the, and the wet weather. As if Mercedes need one more thing to go their way, right? <laughs> well, let's look at some of the other predictions. Arg Dunn says the race will be cancelled due to snow. Is snow on the forecast? Goodness me, I hope not. Last thing we want is a cancelled race. Has that ever happened? Uh, there's never been snow at a Formula One Grand Prix, as far as I know. Certainly nothing enough to cancel a race. Um, but <clears throat> I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. The forecast isn't for snow. But we're not, you know, not far off. If they delayed it by, you know, if this race was taking part in the middle of November or any time around December at that circuit, yeah, there'd be a very high chance of snow. So you never know. Um, with the kind of weather we've had recently, uh, you never know what might happen. We could, we could end up with uh, a few flakes of snow. But um, yeah, who knows? It would it would result in probably the race being called off, which would be a shame. So uh, let's hope that uh, we just get a bit of rain, not too much. It reminds me of a few years ago. We were testing, I think, 2018. Turned up in Spain, lovely, beautiful, sunny Spain, you know, quite cold that night. And then the first, first morning we woke up and it was just white outside. It had been snowing. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the first day was, was delayed. It wasn't cancelled, but it was delayed. And the jokes afterwards were that Formula, you know, that everyone wanted to see Formula One go ahead with snow tyres on um, because it was such a cold week we had there in pre-season testing. So um, that's the closest I think I've seen to F1 being affected by snow. Couple more kind of predictions, and these are predictions not just for podium, but for news, I suppose, breaking news that we're expecting in terms of driver movement, I suppose, for next season that we've gotten on Twitter. I'll just read through a couple of them and you guys let me know what you think. Joe Lauria says Danny Ricardo to finish second, Grosjean will finish in the points, and Hulkenberg and Schumacher announced as next year's drivers for Alpha Tori. Hmm. Artbeat Formula says Ferrari will announce in Germany that Schumacher will sign a contract with Haas for the 2021 season. Marge says Schumacher to be announced as a Formula One driver for Alfa Romeo this weekend. Well, guys, a lot, of course, naturally with Schumacher there and the fact that he is getting flirting so close with um, going to Formula One probably next season. What do you make of these predictions as to where he could probably end up and some of the other spots available? Alfa Romeo is definitely the most likely of those ones mentioned. Alfa Tori, not, not so sure about. Um, but Alfa Romeo is likely. I don't think they'll do it this weekend. I think the idea of this weekend is to um, uh, give them a chance just to get a bit more F1 experience, kind of work with the team, make sure that uh, he's operating at the level that they want. And then I suspect it'll probably be after uh, the end of the F2 Championship, which will end in uh, Bahrain. Um, they'll probably make an announcement around that time. Uh, in the meantime, of course, you've got to sort out what's happening with the other drivers. Is Kimi staying on? Uh, I think there's quite a high chance he'll probably retire at the end of the year, but he hasn't said either way, so he could still stay. And then what happens to Giovinazzi, also a member of the Ferrari Driver Academy? He's the obvious candidate to be replaced. But um, yeah, uh, what happens with him? And how early would you want to announce that anyway? Because it's never great to have a driver who knows they're leaving at the end of the season uh, stuck in the car for the last few races. Just have a look at how Sebastian Vettel's time went after that news was announced. But anywho, <laughs> Nate, what do you make of those little driver movement predictions? And Danny Ricardo to finish in second. We've been trying to hype up and give more Danny Ricardo love. So, but second mm -hmm. is a mighty shout. We'd have to have some wild stuff happening, as opposed to some of the other boys. Yeah, that's for this weekend, right? They were saying they weren't saying yes. for next year. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd take that. I think I think um, Danny Rick on the podium would be true to form of you know of the past couple of months he's been really good um yeah and Lawrence hit the nail on the head Alfa Romeo seems like the best place for Schumacher Haas is an interesting one they're kind of 
keeping their cards very close to their chest. Um, I've got a feeling that they'll stick with one of the current guys and then bring in somebody new. But again, it depends on what they were able to get from Ferrari, etc. I hope they keep Magnussen. You know, I'm a, I'm a Magnussen fan. Lawrence and I always joke that I'm a Magnussen fan and he's a Grosjean fan. Um, but I think that Magnussen has been quietly the better of the two drivers there that year, uh, this year. And um, it'd be a shame if he left. Um, but there's, there's so many good young guys coming through that it's also a shame when, you know, guys who've been in for a while like Grosjean and to a degree Magnussen stay in and you don't almost block that path off for a young guy. So I can totally see the, the argument for them getting two new guys. Um, but again, yeah, there's Perez there as well, who has just popped into my head as I say that. So um, Haas, Haas could have a really exciting driver lineup next year if they go against what they've been doing and just pick the same two guys. That's basically what they have to do is not pick the same two guys um, because it's become a bit stale, I think. There. I'm glad that you do say um, Sergio Perez because call me a fanboy, not passionate. That is his name or this contributes his name. Just simply ask Perez, question mark. And then the storyman predicts rain will fall, Max will aquaplane into the barriers. Ooh, tough prediction there, but Sergio Perez, that's true. What'd what you was, expect from him? What, what was, what was, was the, the question? Around? Was yeah. it just, just a question? He's just asking, <laughs> yeah, it was just Perez question mark. What'd you guys expect from yeah. Perez? Perez will be there, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he, he will be there. <laughs> he will be. But how be high now. will he end up, I suppose? Well, I don't want to tread too much onto my bold prediction, so I'm going to leave. leave oh, that okay. Do you know what? Let's leave that one. Let's go but, to some but, of our. While we're on to the subject of Perez, it might be worth um, talking about him more generally because there have been some rumours, especially from our Mexican colleagues uh, in on in ESPN, uh, talking about Perez maybe being lined up for a Red Bull seat next year. Um, of course, we know about the Alex Albon situation. We've been talking about it for a long time. He didn't perform very well in Russia, and there's this kind of growing momentum that perhaps Red Bull could look outside of their talent pool. And look to Sergio Perez. So maybe that's what our reader or listener was getting at. Um, but uh, I personally, I, I don't think they're going to do it. I think, I think Red Bull are probably going to stick with uh, the talent they've got. Of course, we know they've got Gasly there as well as a potential uh, race winner to step up to Red Bull now. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, there's a lot of talk around Perez at the moment. And I think a lot of people feeling uh, it's a little bit unfair what's happened to him losing his drive at racing points to Sebastian Vettel. So... Um, yeah, definitely some storylines to emerge around Perez. So maybe that's what they were getting at. I was going to say the, the Sergio Perez love continues on Facebook. as says, Checo to win the Grand Prix. Well, there you wow. go. I mean, that's a bold one. Neville predicts lots of rain. Lewis will win by a mile freak accident to take out Valtteri Bottas, one Ferrari, and Max Verstappen. Well, Max Verstappen might be the cause, he says. Danny Ricardo comes in second, and to celebrate, he does a shooey. Grosjean rounds out the podium. <laughs> that's that's Wow. Bold. I mean, I that one had me for the first two, but then the Grosjean on the podium seems very, uh, yeah, it seems, well, it's optimistic, but, you know, hell, I've, that's part of what this show is about, right, is bold predictions, so I like it. Speaking of bold predictions, get ready for this one, because it's a bit of a long one with a lot of twists and turns, and it comes from Werner, not Timo Werner, because... He should be on international duty right now. But anyways, he says, Pirelli brings out a new studded F1 tire, a first in F1 history. Mercedes adds a snowblower under the front wing and the FIA turns a blind eye. Kimi replaces a drink bottle with vodka, claims, the water, claims that water freezes and vodka doesn't. Legend. Kimi wins, Bottas second. Finns are used to driving in the snow while Sebastian Vettel limps home in third, casually mentioning all his extremities are frozen. <laughs> 
The only other finisher is Grosjean, who complains bitterly that he was robbed of his first victory with a brake issue. Well, is that the excitement you're looking forward to this weekend? <laughs> well, we've got to try and top that now with some bold predictions. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're going to get close. I'm yeah, I think the... <laughs> that guy's really put thought into this weekend. I'm it's... still. He killed me with the. <laughs> Kimmy adds a drink bottle with vodka, because facts. Water does freeze. Vodka doesn't. Legend. William says George Russell on pole. A record 15 safety cars during the race with three red flags. Sebastian Vettel punches Daddy Stroll. Oh, Lando Norris drives into Kimi and both retire. Start lights malfunction leading to a second formation lap. And the Williams will overtake both Mercedes on track with Alex Albon winning the race. What's everyone having for breakfast these days? And then Bruce says one of the drivers miss a turn and does the lap at the real Nürburgring. Nice. Well, yeah, that'd be cool. If that I mean, that would, that, would, that, would take you, that would take you a long time to complete that lap if you, if you got stuck on the old slope. <laughs> I mean, there you go, guys. If that doesn't get your blood boiling and getting ready for some bold predictions, um, I don't know what does. So let's go into Nate's bold predictions now, shall we? We've got... I almost want you guys to break it down in a race like how our viewers clearly have. <laughs> with these wild ones. I, it's going to be hard to top the vodka, but we'll see. Yeah, there's no vodka involved in mine, but someone did allude, actually someone did say it. So I think if it's dry, Perez on the podium. I think if it's, if it's wet, I'm going to say Perez or Racing Point to win. The reason I say Perez when it's dry, Lawrence mentioned it earlier, is that the Nürburgring is incredibly punishing on the tyres. And we've seen time and time again how good Perez is at managing those situations. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, again, these are meant to be, you know, we're kind of meant to put our, our necks on the line a little bit with these. And um, I think, well, it'd be nice to see Racing Point take that fight that we've kind of talked about on a few occasions. Maybe there'll be the, the team pushing Red Bull, clipping at Red Bull's heels, and we haven't maybe seen it. Um, this seems like a good place to do it. And like Lawrence mentioned, Perez is under the microscope right now. And it would just be a great way to continue this story is that after he's been dropped by Racing Point, he goes and wins a race. Um, for them, which would be their first win ever, of course. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to say. Uh, so it's two parts. One is dry in the, you know, if it's dry podium, I'm not willing to say he'd he'd beat Mercedes on on, on merit in in the dry, but in the rain, who knows? Anything could happen. So, yeah, it's all about Perez. All right, all about Perez for Nate Lawrence. Who's it all about for you? I'm gonna go for a really bold prediction and say the race is just cancelled because of wet weather. So we get what? to Sunday. Uh, we go later and later and later. The sun eventually goes down and F1, I think for the first time, we've talked about this so often, that had a rainstorm come on a different day, then uh, the race uh, would have been cancelled. But the race is cancelled and we'll have to pack up and go to Portimao. That's a bit of a depressing prediction. That sounds well, like we're know, I mean, around I, for us. <laughs> after everything that the readers have given us, I was struggling to come up with anything that was going to be particularly exciting. I mean, you know, maybe Lewis kind of has some gets taken out or something like that and Valtteri wins a race but no well why not just cancel it and, and move on it would be a shame actually because I would really like to see a race at the Nürburgring but it 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 is possible you know the the weather does look pretty bad and uh this time of year you know they don't have a huge amount of time to play with from when they're meant to start the race to when the sun goes down and so um yeah it could be quite a small window that they're trying to get a race into either that or we have something like a five lap race and it's half points 
kind of do like that. Hopefully it's more what Nate predicted and probably some of what our viewers predicted. But uh, we'll see exactly then what happens. I guess that's a wrap for us. Then we nicely close things up with Nate's bold predictions after some really, really bold predictions from our contributing viewers slash listeners. Thank you guys so much. We will definitely be back. Can't wait to talk to you again. That's definitely all for us today, make sure to join us on Sunday. We're going to break down whatever happens or doesn't happen, I guess, if Lawrence's wish comes true um, in Germany from the race. And if you're in the U.S., make sure you can catch it on ESPN from as early as 8, 10 a.m. Eastern time and then join us for the podcast. But even before that, look out for Lawrence's nice little write-up and chat with Toto Wolf. It promises to be a good one. So see you guys next time.